Hi. Welcome to Sweet Blind Lovin's, a podcast for blind people and the people who love blind people. I'm Brian Cruz. And I'm his lover, Rita B. Yes, my sweet-sighted lover. And together we make Sweet Blind Lovin's. Yes, but we won't do that on the podcast because that's... Oh, no, no, that's, no. Yeah, not... That's ways, for our only fans. Ways and means and practices and... Yeah. Um... But what we do hope to kind of accomplish is uh, we, we are in an interabled relationship and we'd like to document what that experience is like for us and also talk to other blind people and find out what their experiences are like in, in various walks of life, whether it be occupation or relationship or parenting. Um, you know, a lot of times blind people are put into a box and our goal is to kind of uh, destroy that box. So um, we're going to have guests and uh, do more of an interview format as we go along, but for this first episode, uh, we thought we'd do an episode about my mom, who would have turned 74 today. Uh, she died early in 2019, uh, shortly after her 71st birthday, and uh, I decided to write an essay this year. Um, my dad passed away in November, and uh, I've, I've been doing a lot of, uh, you know, I'm a huge music fan. Uh, throughout my life, and I've been doing a lot of uh, kind of crate digging lately, going back and buying vinyl and listening to a lot of older music, uh, and, you know, realizing kind of the connection that that has to to my mom and, uh, and her growing up. So uh, I wrote an essay. The essay is available on our Facebook page, uh, which you can get to. What is the name of our Facebook page? Sweet Blind Levens. We made it pretty simple for you. Yeah, so... Uh, yeah. And Brian, let me say thank you for letting me be part of that creative process of about writing the essay. Um, that's not something I've ever done as a reaction to anything. And to be part of that process has been really amazing the last couple of weeks. Awesome. Well, thank you for, for working with me on it. It was the first time I've ever kind of worked with someone uh, writing and, you know, kind of writing in, in the service of a bigger uh, a, a bigger project. We also put together a uh, a playlist um, of a few songs that uh, you know remind me of my mom, or that uh, you know that she was a fan of that that I have specific kind of memories of. So um, that can be found on YouTube, also under the Sweet Blind Lovin's name, and it'll be playlist number one. And it'll be, it's five songs that really meant a lot to Brian's mom. So, Brian, music and your mom have been such an important factors in your life. And you start off the essay about being out in the winter solstice and that triggering memory. So could you please elaborate a little bit more on that? Yeah, it was a, a really just kind of gloomy winter day. Um, and, you know, I'd actually had several things that I was planning on doing. There was a, uh, you know, I was, I was going to go hang out with my, my ex-wife and kids, and they were, we were going to do Christmas down there in Chicago. Uh, my friend and roommate Angel, his band, The Geezers, were playing a show, uh, you know, relatively close to where I lived. It reads local, and I was, you know, excited to go to that, and I just, 
you know, I went out to the suburbs for a career counseling appointment and uh, to meet with my financial person and uh, spend some time with my parents and just, uh, like I talked about in the essay, just got this awful, awful feeling. Uh, you know, my mom had just had the uh, her, her angiogram that Tuesday, and uh, it took her a few weeks to recover from that, and it was just, uh, I just started having just this awful feeling, uh, or I don't know if you'd call it a premonition, but just this, oh, this is not going to go well, um, this, this surgery. Wow, um, that's um, incredible. Um, had you had feelings like dread or gloom before this? Yeah, I talked about that in the in the essay. I I kind of always knew my mom had lupus um, and later fibromyalgia, um, so I always knew that there was like, you know, that her health was not uh, as good as as other moms. Um, and yeah, so I always worried a lot about. Uh, things happening to her, her, you know, her being taken away, uh, you know, uh, it, it was, you know, I, 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 and I always tend to be a, uh, as I say in the essay, a catastrophist, you know, I always look for, you know, try to think of the worst thing that could happen and try to make peace with that. Like, well, if this awful thing happened, uh, it doesn't work, but, uh, Oh my goodness though, Brian, I think so many people can relate to that, whether they are blind or not blind, where, when something happens or something changes, we go to the worst case scenario. Yeah, I think it's a human, you know, a natural... And it's because we want to be in control. We want to, you know, think we can control the situation. And so if we can, you know, have time to work with the worst possible outcome, then we can, you know, get a, get a hand up on it. Yes, that makes so much sense. I have another question for you, Brian. What is your mom's name? Uh, her name is Mary... Uh, Mary Cruz. Um, her maiden name was Mary Genovese. Okay, because I felt like I, I always hear you refer to her as your mom. Yeah. Um, and not, like, by a name, so I was just wondering, like, what's her name? Yeah, my mom and dad have kind of always just been my mom and dad. Uh, I never, they have names, I just never, uh, yeah, think about them. So, when your mom was sick you kind of just worried about it ending, right? Not the, it seems like your your mind went straight to... Yeah, straight to losing death. a person. Yeah, the worst possible thing. Um, and she lived with it for, uh, you know, I think she lived with lupus on and off for uh, 40, you know, 43 years or so, so... I Yeah, I believe lupus is chronic. Um, and... You you mentioned in the beginning of the essay that you had gone to see your parents. And as a sighted person, you know, hop on the bus, hop in a car and drive over and go see my parents. For you not having sight, how is that different for you? What does was, that look like? Yeah, it's, um, so I would usually, I lived in Rogers Park at the time, uh, which is, the furthest north you can go before you leave Chicago and go into Evanston, so pretty far north. Um, and so what I would do is either take a bus or an Uber to the Randolph Station in Chicago and then take the train to uh, the Hegwish Station, and then my dad would pick me up at the uh, Hegwish Station and, you know, usually drive me to my appointment, and then, you know, I'd drive me back home and I'd spend some time back home. And then if I felt particularly lazy, I would take an Uber back from home 
Or, you know, if, if not, my dad would drive me to the train station and then I would do the whole process in reverse of, you know, get, taking the train and taking, taking the bus. Um, and, you know, I think I, I think I probably took the bus to add to the kind of depression of the day, you know, just that being on a city bus on a rainy, you know, gloomy days kind of adds to it. Yes, I, I, I think it does feel the drama. Yeah, it's a rainy day, and you got to ride that, and and that's something um, sighted people may not consider that if, um, if someone has no sight and to get around on Uber, public transportation takes extra yeah. finances, extra time, extra planning. I know when I rode the bus, I'd always have to give myself like an hour to go somewhere, and. That that's just extra time you have to automatically program into your day. Yeah, and it's well, it's that you know the effort that it takes to to plan that stuff too. Like you know, you, like you can't just uh, get on the get on the bus and uh, or, or drive the car, and when you get there, you get there. You know, you have to. You know, someone's got to pick me up at the train station, and uh, you know, I could have Ubered. That's and you know, my dad was still driving at the time, so I was happy to. Uh, you know, drive me to my appointments rather than have me spend that money on Uber. But, uh, yeah, it's just, it's so much extra effort and so much extra planning just to accomplish basic uh, tasks. And people think nothing of it, you know, like they'll, they'll think, you know, I had a problem with my uh, management company for my, my apartment building over the summer where the lady could not keep track of, of the rent checks. And so like three or four times I had to go to the bank, print out the, the bank check and then scan it back to her um and all these things you know uh you can do as a blind none of them are like undoable as a blind person but it's a lot of it's a lot of energy that you know yes extra energy and extra time it's energy you shouldn't have to pay to prove that you paid your rent you you know (laughs) oh my goodness yes um so in the essay you talk about going to Holiday Inns and record stores to record shows. Um, was was this something you thought of doing? Was this something that your mom thought of doing? Like, who initiated, I think she, hey, Saturday we're going to go to this Holiday Inn? Yeah, I think she found out about the record shows. Uh, I don't know if she, she... She may have regretted that later in life, I don't know. But, uh, yeah, she was... I, I think I found out, went to my first one when I was in eighth grade, just turned 14, and, uh, you know, we thought, well, we'll just go and see how it is, and, you know, if we like it or not, and uh, it, you know, we went, and, you know, it's all these $2 dollar bins, and it was uh, the late 80s, early 90s, so, like, people were, were just getting rid of vinyl, like, you know, like a bad habit, you know, so I, I was able to just kind of pick up stuff, and uh, it it's crazy now when I go out and try and buy things and see, like, you know, how much something is. And I'm like, oh, I bought that for 50 cents uh, at one point. So could you tell our listeners, what is crate digging? It's, uh, it's just kind of the term that's been, uh, you know, put out there for in the record buying community, kind of that, uh, you know, you're, you're kind of flipping through crates to, you know, you're flipping through a lot of, like, uh, you know, uh, thrift store record sections or, or budget bins at record stores, and you're, you're you don't really know what you're looking for. You're kind of 
just looking for either something interesting or, you know, something that you've heard of before and want to check out or, you know, so you don't really know what you're, what you're going to take home, but you, you know, you're, you're kind of looking through these sections. So, so Brian, I want you to explain a little bit more how crate digging is done by someone who's blind when album covers don't have braille and you can't necessarily just read. Right. Um, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's a challenge because you have to, you know, first of all, you have to find someone who, uh, you know, is, is tolerant enough to, to be willing to flip through records and read them to you. Um, wait, Brian, your mom would go with you and read records. Yeah. She would flip through and, you know, this is what they have and, you know, read through and I'd be like, Oh, pull that. Um, you know, and you and I have gone digging and yeah, very similar to what we do, you know, like just read through stuff and you know if i recognize the name of the the band or artist i'll be like oh what's the name of the album you know oh, it's this one okay yeah, pull that out you know let, let me let me try it so if any of our listeners who are blind would like to go on excursions and you live close to Brian and i we can just all go and i can just read for everybody cuz that's normally now what i do with Brian we i sit on the floor and we read Record titles, and that is so great that your mom took that time with you. And I know you mentioned also your dad went. Yeah, he would go sometimes. He was never. Uh, he was always kind of the cautious, the the money person. So I think he he always, you know, tried to to put a rein on it or put, pull the reins on it. But you know, he would always kind of relent too as well. So, um, but yeah, he would he would go sometimes. We would also go to. They had this great. Uh, they used to have this great charity uh, for ALS. It was called the Mammoth Music Mart, and they would hold it uh, in the parking lot of Old Orchard every October for like, uh, like I want to say like two, like one and a half to two weeks, and it would just be tons and tons of donations that the uh, the ALS Foundation had acquired over over the year, and you know it was just giant. Like you didn't know what you were gonna get, and uh, we went there several times, and my my dad was really into comedy records, so he would, you know, um, I kind of, I remember one time we went, and he, uh, I think I was like 13, and he found, uh, you know, he picked out the, the National Lampoon Gold gold Turkeys, which is a, a kind of a greatest hits of the National Lampoon Radio Hour, which I loved, so he, he was really into, like, like, stuff like that. He didn't, he didn't really enjoy music as much as uh, me and, and my mom did, but that comedy's good. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And nice. It, um, so yeah, no, he, and uh, you know those 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 mammoth record marks were were a fun time as well. There. Great, um, Brian, you tell me why didn't your mom have a funeral? I don't know. I actually did not find out that we weren't having a funeral for my mom uh, until we were in the hospital room after she'd passed. Uh, I. And I was like, oh, okay, so what day are we doing the funeral on? And I found out, oh, mom didn't want a funeral. Um, oh, so it wasn't due to COVID. It was just that your mom didn't No, want this was about a year before COVID. I, 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 I'm, I don't know what would have happened with my mom and COVID. I, I think it would have been, you know, she was with a compromised, had a compromised immune system anyway. And I'm sure she would have, you know, I was in kind of constant. I mean, how, a lot of us have been basically in trauma for the past two years because of this, this sickness or this disease, um, and 
I, I can't imagine what it would have been like for, for my mom to, to live through that, uh, that crisis, that national crisis that we're still living through, but especially those early, you know, those early days. After your mom's died, you saw how much your dad really loved her. I mean, he just kind of seemed to have been given up on life after she died. Is, is that a good... I think it's just the timing, you know, like, I was all, you know, like, if he, maybe if 2020 wasn't COVID year, and maybe if he'd gotten out to, you know, we'd talked about going to, to Oregon to see his, uh, um, to see his sister, and, and, you know, doing, you know, some kind of trips like that, uh, you know, maybe if that had happened, and, and he could have, like, you know, had some positive experiences that made him get back into life more, but I think he just, I think he just really felt, you know, like alone. Just you know, like they they were, to, and and it was like their their marriage was kind of, <laughs> um, like one of the big big influences. And this not, a marriage counselor once told me this wasn't even this. This is kind of a negative thing. Is they didn't really fight. They got along really well, and they would read the, you know, get coffee and read the paper and trade. You know, here's this section. That you you want to read this section every morning. And, um, yeah, they, uh, they never, you know, they never fought. So then when I was in a marriage and there was fighting, like I, you know, at one point a marriage counselor said, well, that's the problem. Like, like you never saw people fight and resolve conflict. So, you know, for you, it's a fight is, uh, you know, like, Oh, wow. Yes. Because we, we were influenced by what we've seen and, and what we, yeah. What we experience experience. Yeah. It's normal to us. Yeah. And um, as your dad, you you had stated that you had combined the eulogy for both of them. Could you explain a little bit more how you combined them into the eulogy? I think just like you know, my brother and I were talking about this a few weeks ago. He uh, he went to go get um, you know went to a bank to to check on an account. You know, we're uh, trying to figure out what what accounts were open, who what accounts are all that stuff. And, um, and this has happened several times, um, where like, as soon as people find out who my mom and dad were, like just the, the genuine love they had for them. Oh my my God, your parents were in here all the time and they were so nice and they would just talk to us and they were great. Um, I remember my mom died. Uh, I went to the eye doctor the next week and this, the, the eye doctor's assistant was like, Oh my God, my sister had this kind of like the kind of hippie, cool market thing in, in Lansing, and my mom, your mom used to come and shop there all the time, and, uh, and, and, and you know, like, that, that kind of, you, you kind of realize, like, how much they were a couple that was, you know, that kind of had that open regard for people and that acceptance of people and love for people, um, and that was kind of a shared, you know, everyone was welcome. Uh, you know, we, if we had, if, if there was a friend who, uh, didn't want to be with their family for the holidays because of, you know, they were going through something or whatever. She, you know, they always had a place here or, you know, at our house. Or, um, wow, that's beautiful. Um, thank you for sharing about that. I think that's about it for my questions. And if our listeners have any questions, please send us a message here. Yeah, um, and check out the, uh, the playlist. Uh, I, I guess I'll talk a little bit about... Um, yes, the, the next thing I, I want to talk about, Brian, mm-hmm. is the playlist. 
So the first song is uh, Save the Life of My Child by Simon and Garfunkel uh, off the Bookends album. And uh, I just, you know, I, I, uh, my mom loved Simon and Garfunkel, and I, I didn't dislike them, but I, I kind of thought they were, eh, you know, kind of boring. Um, and I remember one day my, my dad was out, at a, he went on a ski trip, and my mom took me to Hegwish Records, uh, which was kind of the, my main record store growing up. Uh, part of the problem, too, was like I had a huge record store. My local record store was huge, so um, I had a really hard time accepting that there were record stores that did not have everything I wanted. You know, like was, uh, <laughs> some, some record stores were really a letdown to me. Like, what do you mean you don't have? Um, so I almost like had to move to Chicago because after Hegwish Records closed down, there was... You know, at least now I've got a, a ton of record stores that I can, you know, go to. Yes, I uh, enjoy walking with you through the neighborhood and going to see these different record stores. Yeah, um, I enjoy walking with you as well. Um, and so we, she picked up, you know, for herself the tape of Bookends by Simon and Garfunkel, and it was, you know, popped it in our cassette player in the car, and it, it, it opens with this really sweet, like, uh, the Bookends theme, which is a, a sweet little kind of guitar passage. And then Save the Life of My Child kicks in, and it's this, this synthesizer part that's just very menacing and just, oh, like not what you're expecting from Simon and Garfunkel. And it's, it's just such a, it bursts out of the speakers, and it's just this chaos of the 60s, and, you know, a kid's jumping off of a building, and the cops are, hate the kids, and, uh, you know, just, uh, it's just such a surreal kind of like soundscape of a song. I, I love that. Um, the second one I picked was uh, Guilty by Barbara Streisand. I've actually picked that up crate digging recently. Um, um, I actually see it a lot in thrift stores, so if, if, you're, if you're looking for a copy of Guilty by Barbara Streisand on vinyl, don't give up. It's out there. Um, but yeah, this was a... My mom had the 8-track of this, and I actually remember, um, you know, the week, the week she died, I took an Uber home. I just, you know, uh, from the suburbs to Rogers Park, which is an expensive Uber ride, but I just... You know, I didn't have the energy uh, to to deal with the train. So, um, and the guy had a mix of the Bee Gees. He was playing. My mom loved the Bee Gees so much that we had a dog named Bee Gee. Um, and this the person had put this song uh, "Guilty" on the on the mix, and I was like, "Oh my god, I remember this. It's my mom." So, uh, yeah, that's that's that one. Um, then the third track is "Ruby Tuesday," uh, which. My mom had had a record of uh, the Rolling Stones album Flowers. I think she even bought it a few times at record store record shows. Um, one of the fun things about crate digging, which you know, is when you, you wind up buying things multiple times because you forgot you forgot what you had sometimes. <laughs> um, but yeah, so Ruby Tuesday was the first song on Flowers, and that's was one of my mom's favorite Stones albums, and uh, so I put that on there. Um, and I I remember a few weeks ago I was actually. I found her copy of Flowers. Uh, I only have, like, three of her actual records um, that, you know, a lot of the records we had got, I gave away uh, after my divorce because you just get tired of, you know, that's, that stuff loses its uh, <laughs> sentimental value real quick when you have to carry it up and down flights of stairs, you know, those crates up. That's a... Right? They're know. heavy to move. And when I started re, uh, re, re-buying things again, I... I kind of told myself, like, you're not going to let it get that bad. Like, you're not going to let it, you know, get to the point where you can, you know, you'll, you'll be able to leave things behind if you have to. <laughs> so, uh, hopefully, we'll see how that plays out. But, um, you know, I've also learned to quit giving myself ridiculous rules that, you know, no one really cares if I follow or not. 
So as long as you you're happy with yourself. Yeah. Um, this fourth one is Gypsies, Tramps, and Thieves, which is another one I bought recently at a record uh, at a thrift store, and uh, you know my mom had this and Sonny and Cher live, and I always I love this this song, Gypsies, Tramps, and Thieves. So, um, and then the last one is In My Life, which is uh, of course the Beatles, and uh, when I got married, my mom and I danced to this song at the wedding. So, I thought it would be a nice final song for the the playlist today. I think those were good choices, and I enjoyed listening to them. And you all can listen to them at home. Just find Sweet Blind Lovin's playlist on YouTube. And we'll also probably put a link to it on our, yes, on our Facebook page. There'll well. be a link on the Facebook page. Please tell everybody about this. We'd like to get guests on eventually. I'm excited. Brian, anything else you want to add? No, I think uh, thanks for listening. If you're, if you're still with us, thank you for listening. And, uh, you know, uh, we'll see you next time. Yeah, send us a message. Like us on Facebook. Find us on other social media platforms. And keep watching the Anchor app for more podcasts. Am I here? Yes, you are. Brian. Hi. I'm so glad you joined us today. Would you tell me, what do you want out of Sweet Blind Lovin'? What do you see as its future goal or next next goal? Tell me a little bit about that. Um, I, I would like to, well, I'll tell you what I want, what I really, really want. Yes, tell me what you really, really want. Um, I, I'd like to see uh, Sweet Blind Lovin' just kind of put, help people think of blindness. You know, it's such a, it's such a pejorative word. I mean, it's, you really can't think of it in any kind of positive use in, when you look at it in its use in language. And, uh, you know, I'd, I'd like people to kind of uh, think of blindness kind of in, in more of a, a positive light or, or put more specifically, I guess, put blind people or people with visual impairments and uh, in a, uh, you know, in a category that they're not usually seen in, you know, or, or, or boxes that we're not usually, you know, no one thinks about blind dominatrixes or no one thinks about blind porn stars or no, you know, no one thinks about uh, uh, blind, blind parents, blind parents, uh, you know, what, what, there, there's so few people, like a lot of people think about blind, you know, blind beggar, right? That, that's. Yes, I think part of that is kind of just the way maybe sighted people have been indoctrinated. I mean, especially if you right. come from an evangelical background, I think blindness in the Bible is right there behind crucifixion as like right. the and, worst thing in the world. And I think, you know, the service humans. Uh, I, I like to call sighted people service humans, um, okay. just just to kind of keep a perspective, you know, of of uh, you know why why should they get to, you know, if I have to have a pejorative term throughout my existence, then maybe they should too. So I encourage all blind people to when when talking about sighted people as a whole, to use the term service humans. Obviously, I I don't think you should go around being like, hey, my wife is a service human, you know, or or you know, my daughter's a service human, or you know, like. So specific people, I would suggest don't call them service humans. But please send all your emails against <laughs> service human titles to Brian, not to me. 
<laughs> right. So as as a whole, I think we should, as blind people, refer to refer to sighted people as service humans. Uh, not specific, you know, but obviously don't call people specifically certain, you know, unless you want to, you know. That that works. Well, thank you, Brian, okay. for your time today. <laughs> all right, uh, it's been we have glad. got a bigger podcast coming out for all of you in the next coming days, but we just It'll want be... to give you something to think about going forward. It will be much more uh, exciting, but it will be a conversation that once again goes to that that place, right, of putting blind people where you're not considering them. So. Yes. So, and, and tell the, all your service human friends about us too. You know, if they, uh, you know, if it's not a podcast just for it's for blind people and the people who love blind people. So, you know, uh, feel free to, you know, if, if I, I was thinking we should come up with a new slogan and it would be, uh, uh, if if you like your friends, tell them about us, and if you don't like your friends, tell them too. You know. <laughs> Right. And everybody look forward to a new podcast coming up soon and a challenge for you um, for those that are visually impaired, blind, however you label yourself. Um, What are some of the most interesting or intriguing or offensive questions that you've been asked? Because we'll be covering that in the next few weeks. Yeah. So thank you for listening to Sweet Blind Lovins, the podcast for people, blind people and the people who love them or the people who love blind people. Yes. Am I here? Yes, you are. Brian. Hi. I'm so glad you joined us today. Would you tell me what... Do you want out of Sweet Blind Lovin'? What do you see as its future goal or next next goal? Tell me a little bit about that. Um, I I would like to. Well, I'll tell you what I want. What I really, really want. Yes, tell me what you really, really want. Um, I I'd like to see uh, Sweet Blind Lovin' just kind of put help people think of blindness. You know, it's such a it's such a pejorative word. I mean, it's, you really can't think of it in any kind of positive use in when you look at it in its use in language. And, uh, you know, I'd, I'd like people to kind of, uh, think of blindness kind of in, in more of a, a positive light or, or put more specifically, I guess, put blind people or people with visual impairments and, uh, in a, uh, you know, in a category that they're not usually seen in, you know, or, or boxes that we're not usually, you know, no one thinks about blind dominatrixes or no one thinks about blind porn stars or no, you know, no one thinks about, uh, uh, blind, blind parents, men. blind parents. Uh, you know, what, what there, there's so few people, like a lot of people think about blind, you know, blind beggar, right. That, that's. Yes. I think that part of that is, kind of just the way maybe sighted people have been indoctrinated. I mean, especially if you right. come from an evangelical background, I think blindness in the Bible is right there behind crucifixion as like right. the and, worst thing in the world. 
And I think, you know, the service humans, uh, I, I like to call sighted people service humans. Um, okay. Just just to kind of keep a perspective, you know, of, of uh, you know, why, why should they get to, you know, if I have to have a pejorative term throughout my existence, then maybe they should too. So I encourage all blind people to, when, when talking about sighted people as a whole, to use the term service humans. Obviously, I, I don't think you should go around being like, hey, my wife is a service human, you know, or, or you know, my daughter's a service human, or, you know, like, so specific people, I would suggest don't call them service humans, but. Please send all your emails against <laughs> service human titles to Brian, not to me. <laughs> right, so as, as a whole, I think we should, as blind people, refer to, refer to sighted people as service humans. Uh, not specific, you know, but obviously don't call people specifically, you know, unless you want to, you know. That that works. Well, thank you, Brian, for your time today. <laughs> all right, uh, it's just, it's been, we have got a bigger podcast coming out for all of you in the next coming days, but we just want be, to give you something to think about going forward. It will be much more uh, exciting, but it will. Be a conversation that once again goes to that that place, right? Of putting blind people where you're not considering them. So, yes. So and and tell all your service human friends about us too. You know, if they, uh, you know, it's not a podcast just for it's for blind people and the people who love blind people. So, you know, uh, feel free to, you know, if, if I, I was thinking we should come up with a new slogan and it would be, um, uh. uh if if you like your friends, tell them about us. And if you don't like your friends, tell them too. You know? <laughs> right. And everybody, look forward to a new podcast coming up soon. And a challenge for you, um, for those that are visually impaired, blind, however you label yourself, um, what are some of the most interesting or intriguing or offensive questions that you've been asked because we'll be covering that in the next few weeks yeah so thank you for listening to sweet blind lovins the podcast for people blind people and the people who love them or yes. and the people who love blind people yes <laughs> Am I here? Yes, you are. Brian. Hi. I'm so glad you joined us today. Would you tell me what do you want out of Sweet Blind Lovin'? What do you see as its future goal or next next goal? Tell me a little bit about that. Um, I, I would like to, well, I'll tell you what I want, what I really, really want. Yes, tell me what you really, really want. Um, I, I'd like to see uh, Sweet Blind Lovin' just kind of put, help people think of blindness. You know, it's such a, it's such a pejorative word. I mean, it's, you really can't think of it in any kind of positive use in, when you look at it in its use in language. And, uh, you know, I'd, I'd like people to kind of uh, think of blindness kind of in, in more of a, a positive light or, or, put more specifically, I guess, put blind people or people with visual impairments and, uh, in a, 
you know, in a category that they're not usually seen in, you know, or, or, or boxes that we're not usually, you know, no one thinks about blind dominatrixes or no one thinks about blind porn stars or no, you know, no one thinks about, uh, uh, blind, blind parents, blind parents, uh, you know, what, what there, there's so few people, like a lot of people think about blind, you know, blind beggar, right? That, that's, Yes, I think part of that is kind of just the way maybe sighted people have been indoctrinated. I mean, especially if you right. come from an evangelical background, I think blindness in the Bible is right there behind crucifixion as like right. the and, worst thing in the world. And I think, you know, the service humans, uh, I, I like to call sighted people service humans. Um, okay. Just just to kind of keep a perspective, you know, of, of uh, you know, why why should they get to you know, if I have to have a pejorative term throughout my existence, then maybe they should too. So I encourage all blind people to, when when talking about sighted people as a whole, to use the term service humans. Obviously, I, I don't think you should go around being like, hey, my wife is a service human, you know, or, or you know, my daughter's a service human, or, you know, like, so specific people, I would suggest don't call them service humans. But please send all your emails against <laughs> service human titles to Brian. Not to me. <laughs> right. So as as a whole, I think we should, as blind people, refer to refer to sighted people as service humans. Uh, not specific, you know, but obviously don't call people specifically service. You know, unless you want to, you know. That that works. Well, thank you, Brian, <laughs> for your time today. All right. Um, it's, it's been we have glad. got a bigger podcast coming out for all of you in the next coming days, but we just It'll want be, to give you something to think about going forward. It will be much more uh, exciting, but it will be a conversation that once again goes to that, that place, right? Of putting blind people where you're not considering them. So yes. So And, and tell the, all your service human friends about us too. You know, if they, uh, you know, if it's not a podcast just for, it's for blind people and the people who love blind people. So you know, uh, feel free to, you know, if, if I, I was thinking we should come up with a new slogan and it would be, uh, uh, if, if you like your friends, tell them about us. And if you don't like your friends, tell them to, you know, <laughs> right. And everybody look forward to a new podcast coming up soon and a challenge for you. Um, for those that are visually impaired, blind, however you label yourself, um, what are some of the most interesting or intriguing or offensive questions that you've been asked? Because we'll be covering that in the next few weeks. Yeah. So thank you for listening to Sweet Blind Lovins, the podcast for people, blind people and the people who love them. Yes. And the people who love blind people. Yes.